If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Here we are just about, what, uh, just a little over two weeks from Election Day. <clears throat> I know many of you may have already voted, as I've seen that there have been, what is it, 28 million people voted, according to current uh, estimates. 28 million people may have voted already early. Incredible numbers as we move towards this very contentious election, uh, which is, again, just a couple of weeks away. It's good to be here. Thank you for thank you for joining us. A little bit of delay this morning with our streaming as we are just now getting that up and running. There was a tech problem here. But anyway, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. So I want to start today. I want to start today with... Something that, um, you know, I think is is on our minds quite regularly as people who follow follow politics. And that is taking a look at where, well, (laughs) I guess looking at where folks tell us the vote stands or the where, where public opinion stands on this issue of which candidate is going to win the election. Polling. I want to talk about that, and I want to go to something that I saw. I think I saw this either over the weekend, maybe even on Friday. This was in the Epic Times. The Epic Times headline is this. We're not ahead by double digits, Biden campaign manager reportedly admits polls inflated. Now, You and I assume this. In fact, I don't really even follow the polls that closely. As we get closer, I do look. I do look. In fact, one of the groups that I look at is a group called the Trafalgar Group. Trafalgar Group is a, I mean, they're a uh, Republican-leading pollster, uh, but they were the most accurate pollster in both 2016 and 2018. 18, and their methodology is a little bit, I guess, different. They are uh, there. There's different ways, I guess, that they are able to get people to to share their true opinions. In fact, one of the things that this group does, one of the things that this group does, is actually asks a question 
that says something like, who are your neighbors supporting in the 2020 election? And it's interesting to see how how much that flips the um, the, the polls. In fact, I think it was like a 10-point flip in one of these things I was looking at. So where basically what, what that means is, what people think that that means, is that they are – people are more likely to tell you, <clears throat> the theory goes – who they think or who they're voting for by saying I think my neighbor I think my neighbor is supporting Trump. So basically I think Trump is going to win effectively, but if you ask me if I'm voting for Trump, then I have a little bit more hesitation. There is a percentage of people who think this way. This happened back in 2016 and this is the case today as well where folks are afraid to tell a pollster who they're going to be voting for. And look, to a certain degree, understandably so. Understandably so. I mean, you look at what happens. I saw, I don't know if you saw this, this poor woman who uh, attended the, I think it was the D.C. Women's March, which, by the way, I'm waiting for the media to break out into an all-out tizzy over the number of people who were attending the protest in Washington, D.C. over the weekend, violating... Uh, social distancing requirements and that sort of thing. I don't know if there were enough masks. I don't know if there was anything like that. But anyway, um, this woman, a woman attends the rally, reportedly, and she has a Trump sign, and she's assaulted. She ends up uh, in the hospital needing medical treatment from the the, the side that undoubtedly was probably chanting um, – you know, love wins or some such thing. But anyway, when we look at these, um, when we look at the state of things and we ask, people are asked questions in polls, it's, it's certainly understandable why they wouldn't tell a pollster who they're voting for. I'm sure some folks just want to have fun with it as well. I'm sure some folks are happy to have folks not know who they're voting for to mess with these with these polls and it's to the point now and then of course you got the the issue of oversampling how difficult is it to get a hold of Trump voters and we have some we have some polls that are showing uh in their sampling that they're 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 sampling democrat voters plus 8 over republicans which would be a monumental um it, it would be so far from uh, from the norm, from what a reasonable person would predict here in 2020, that that, of course, skews these polls as well. <clears throat> and typically you'll find these pollsters, as you get closer to the election, which would be now, begin to correct their polls. But part of me is beginning to wonder, part of me is beginning to wonder if that's if that will not happen in 2020. And the reason I wonder that is because of all this stuff happening um, with with mail-in ballots. You see, if the polls show Trump, excuse me, Biden as the victor, the polls, not the actual voting booth, but the actual uh, polls that are conducted, if the polls show that Biden is supposed to win this election by four or six or eight or 10 or 12 or whatever points, whatever these stupid polls are showing right now, and Trump comes out to win, then of course the media has <laughs> has at its disposal the the go to um, the go to story. 
which is that Russia stole the election again, which is that Trump has interfered with the process of counting and tabulating votes because we know, right, because of polling, what people really wanted to do when they cast their ballots, but something prevented that from happening. It has to be Trump. It has to be the vote counters. Of course, people, you know, we have 51 elections, right? You know, on election night or not, whenever the elections start with early voting and absentee voting, you have 51 independently run elections, 50 states plus Washington, D.C. And so these elections are run by their respective states. In fact, that's why I told my joking, by the way, if anyone's out there taking this too seriously, my I've got a uh, someone close to me that's traveling, and and they uh, the, they voted. A couple voted or plan to vote before they leave, and they're going to another state. The state's California, and I said you might be able to vote out there as well. <laughs> and and I said you might want to look into that. They don't even check your photo ID. In fact, the person you're staying with is probably on that voter list more than once. Just go in there and the next day and tell them that you are that person. I'm kidding is to illustrate the absurdity of voter ID laws in the state of California. But, you know, these polls, you begin to wonder, you begin to wonder if this is in fact not, not part of the strategy. If Trump wins again in 2020, will the media not begin to use the polling, the Democrat Party not use the polling to show that Somehow, President Trump stole votes from Joe Biden or some such thing. But behind closed doors, they they say this. Again, this is the article I'm referencing here. We are not ahead by double digits. Biden campaign manager reportedly admits polls are flighted. I want to read a bit of this article to you. The Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden's campaign manager reportedly admitted that the national public polling numbers, which show Biden overwhelmingly leading Trump, are inflated. Please take the fact that we are not ahead by double digits, Jen O'Malley Dillon reportedly said during a grassroots summit of the campaign on Friday. Those are inflated national uh, public polling numbers. The video of the live event seems to have been deleted, but her comments uh, were posted on Twitter by New York Times reporter Shane Goldmacher. The Biden campaign and Trump campaign didn't respond to requests for comments. This is not the only circumstance Dylan cautioned about the leading position of Biden. She reportedly said in a three-page memo obtained by Fox News that Trump can still win. Oh, boy, folks. Can still win the November election and the race is, quote, neck and neck in certain states like Arizona and North Carolina. The reality is that this race is far closer than some of the punditry we've, uh, we're seeing on Twitter and on TV would suggest, Dylan allegedly wrote in the memo. Even the best polling can be wrong, and that variables like turnout mean that in a number of critical swing states, we are, not, uh, we are fundamentally tied. And folks, that is where we really are. This idea – now, I, I've been on – on record as saying, of course, this, um, of course, Biden can win. Don't ask me to explain the logic of this. I think the logic stops when you understand it's an emotion. The logical choice for choosing Bo- uh, Joe Biden is 
not is not something I can articulate to you because it's an emotion, it's a feeling. I guess I can logically explain to you that there's so much hatred and vitriol that's stored up for President Trump that has been built up, that has been fabricated by the media, by the Democrat Party since 2016, that they are counting upon that anger, that rage, that bitterness, that rage, fury, all this stuff, these these negative hatred, all these sorts of negative emotions. They have poured fuel on the fire. In fact, they're planning on ratcheting this up even even as we enter these last two weeks before Election Day. And so they've done everything they can to stir the pot. They've told us it really doesn't matter who the candidate is. This is the Biden campaign, in essence. It doesn't matter who Biden is, just as long as he isn't Trump. If you look at people who are voting for Biden, I'm telling you, I'm going to say seven times out of ten. I want to say nine times out of ten, but I'll say seven times out of ten. People tell us why they're voting for Biden, and they'll use the word Trump. You ask the average Trump supporter why they're voting for Trump, and you don't hear that. You might hear them eventually lead into how bad Biden is. You might hear them refer to Joe Biden as a and his family as the Biden crime family, as Trump did in Nevada. Excuse me, Nevada, as Trump says over the weekend. And you may hear a Trump supporter do that, but you won't hear that be their lead, uh, their lead argument as to why someone should vote for Donald J. Trump. In fact, they'll hear you'll hear things about how Donald Trump loves this nation, how Donald Trump is doing things that are in an individual American's best interests, how he is trying to return, uh, how he's trying to, to drain the swamp, how he's trying to increase liberty, decrease government, let people keep more of their hard-earned money instead of watching it go to this basically leaking sieve known as Washington, D.C., and watch their money go to completely worthless and mismanaged projects and budgets and that sort of thing. You'll hear people talk about building the wall. You'll hear people talk about how Trump gives his money, his his earnings as president to charity. You'll hear all sorts of things like this. You won't simply hear he's not Biden. You hear that from Biden supporters when they talk about Donald J. Trump. You'll see parades of Trump vehicles driving down the street, almost regardless of where you live. This happens almost universally in this nation now. Almost happened that it's almost uh, ubiquitous, Trump parades. We've seen them in from Miami to, I mean, you name the city, there's been Trump parades, people putting flags on their trucks, jeeps, cars, and driving uh, driving long distances, people sitting out on their on the sidewalk or on the front porch, cracking open a beer as the Trump parade goes by, and you see the energy, you see the enthusiasm, you feel this. You feel this, but yet you look at the polls, you look at the polls and you see Biden in his uh, in the real clear politics average is up nine points on or some such thing. But behind closed doors, you'll hear the Biden campaign, as I just shared with you here in the Epic Times. Jen O'Malley Dillon, she'll say, we're not up, dudgel, dub, up double digits. Please take the fact that we are not ahead by double digits. Those are inflated national 
public polling numbers. That's not reality. In fact, it's it's remarkable. You see the the the, the either the I don't know the, the mismanagement of these polls, these incorrect assumptions, or maybe it's deliberate. Whether it's a deliberate attempt or whether it's a an unintentional attempt it is kind of it doesn't matter at some point when you're just looking at the numbers. But this can actually come back and bite the Democrats. Because some folks may think Biden has this in the bag. Who knows? Behind closed doors, they know this is not the case. And they are telling their supporters this is much, much closer than you than you realize. You have to understand that this Trump could still win this thing. And to hear that from the campaign manager of Biden, just here a mere two weeks from Election Day, after they've invested everything they've got, they are all in, folks. They have put all their chips on black, on the roulette wheel, they have – that thing is spinning. The, the, the ball is bouncing around. They are all in. They've put their mortgage. They've put their wife's wedding ring. They've put it all, everything in the 401K. It's all on black here as they're picking, as they're trying to go with Joe Biden. But the truth is the odds of their winning are much closer to those of roulette than they are of what the polls are telling us or what 538 is telling us in their predictions and in their modeling and so forth. So got to take a timeout. You're listening here to the home of conservative. We'll continue this when we get back. Listening to conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I want to do something, and I know this may be a little bit challenging over the radio. So, but you know that the president is elected according to electoral votes. In fact, I watched a pretty good little documentary, I guess you would call it, on the Electoral College over the weekend that was really, really well done. The importance of the Electoral College, why it is uh, you know why it matters, why it is the way that it is, that sort of thing. And there's a lot of great reasons, a lot of great reasons, even some reasons I hadn't may shock you, <laughs> even reasons I hadn't considered before. But there's a lot of good reasons. I'm kidding, folks. But there's a lot of good reasons to uh, to to be in favor of the electoral college. But you may have seen. So you know that in order to win the Electoral College, you have to get to 270 electoral votes. You may also know that it's possible. It is mathematically possible, and in fact, it's more possible in this election than what it's been in in years past. But it is mathematically possible for there to be a 269-269 tie, and that's where you hear all this discussion of then what happens – well, it goes to the House of Representatives, and I can hear Republicans in this audience gasp when they realize that the Democrats have control of the House. But that's not exactly 100% correct in how this would be uh, – the race would be determined. So it's based upon – so in, instead of you know majority – whether there's a majority Democrats or Republicans in the House, it actually goes to the state 
the state caucuses. So in other words, put another way, California's 53 members of the House would get one vote. And so it's they're almost all Democrats. Not all of them, but almost all. And so – but California would have one vote for Joe Biden. And when you look at which Republican or which party has more uh, states right now, there are some that are tied, which is an interesting thing to think about. But I think it's it's 26 states have Republican majorities as of right now. But, but where this gets complicated – is that this could end up going uh, to the? I think it actually does go to the next the next Congress if in fact if in fact this does not uh, get resolved on election night or in the days weeks heaven forbid months after that and this does go to Congress which I'm not predicting I'm just explaining to you that it's not simply who has you know it's not a vote every, where every member gets a vote it's every state gets a vote and those states. Their votes are tallied based upon the makeup of their uh, their their state caucus. Those members from their state who are members of the House of Representatives, that state gets one vote. And so, as it stands today, Trump would still win if everything moves through the House in time. Now, if it doesn't for some reason, if there's they can't get a majority, the twenty six you know, twenty six states to say pick Biden or Trump. Then you get into this crazy nonsense where you have to replace the president on January 20th, that there's no clear replacement. Nancy Pelosi, you, you hear talk about Pelosi being president, interim president. That's where this kind of crazy stuff comes into play. I'm not predicting it. I'm just sharing sharing this with you. But I want, I want to draw your attention to something. I want to draw your attention to something. First and foremost, you'll see if you follow these electoral college maps that a lot of these – uh, outfits, folks that basically, you know, you, you can go to these interactive maps on on the internet and you can look and, and they'll start your map. They'll start your map with what they think is uh, kind of the, the, the floor. And Biden's electoral map starts at 290. 290. Now, before you panic about that, before you panic about that, don't be tempted to scream at the universe as these radical leftists do. But before you panic about that, I should remind you that I think that Hillary started off at like 318 or some such thing back in 2000, uh, 2016. And that clearly wasn't the case. She was nowhere near that. In fact, it was almost the inverse of that, where Trump ended up with almost that many. Anyway, but if you look at these these states... And if you actually look at the Trafalgar Group, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more detail in the next segment, the Trafalgar Group, who's who's been accurate, the most accurate uh, polling firm in the past two elections, their polling shows us something much more, A, reasonable, and B, well, maybe I should say B, reasonable, and A, um, appealing, where Trump is actually ahead in places like like Florida – where Trump is actually ahead in places like Arizona, and where Trump may actually yet again, according to their polling, eke out a victory in Michigan. And if you give Michigan and Arizona and Florida to Trump, suddenly, 
suddenly this map, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, it would show 274 or 275 um, electoral votes for Trump, which is which is enough. But again, the starting when you go to these places that where you can you know pick your own, you can put your own little electoral college estimate together. The starting point at the one I'm looking at, and I've seen others like this as well. It's got Biden at 290 electoral votes, but it has Biden winning Michigan, it has Biden winning Wisconsin, it has Biden winning Minnesota, it has has Biden winning Pennsylvania, it has Biden winning. Nebraska's uh, second district. It has Biden winning Arizona. And then in toss-up states, it has Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, and Iowa, which I would contend at this particular point in time, looking at uh, the polls, again, from the Trafalgar group, I I would say that, I mean, Florida is always tricky, but I think Trump's up two and a half points or some such thing in the Florida, Florida poll. In the Arizona poll, I think Trump is up four points in Trafalgar. So if you start picking these states um, and factor in, even as Biden campaign, the campaign has admitted that these national polls are, uh, the, the polling is, is, is skewed. They're not up as much as these polls seem to suggest. So that being the case, I was telling me it's time to take a time. I don't know it is. It is. But we, we've been here before. We've been here before in 2016, and I would even contend that we're in better shape in 2020 than we were in 2016. I don't, by the way, buy into this whole, this isn't a horse race sort of thing. This isn't a, you know, we're making the the final turn and heading down the back straightaway here. This is, this is, um, people have known who they're voting for. I think some of these research firms have just gotten it wrong. I think some of them have deliberately gotten it wrong. And I think when the dust settles, and I'm not predicting a Trump victory, though that is absolutely possible. That's absolutely possible. And I would even say it's, uh, well, it may be slightly more than just average in the possibility of that being the case. This the whole thing is going to the, the the whole poll the whole numbers we're looking at is uh, is definitely skewed to the left and if i'm wrong and i can be because again people vote for presidents based upon the quality of their jump shot and how many people they make pass out at rallies and events which fortunately biden can't do either one of those things but this whole thing is skewed to the left i think once the votes are counted there's going to be a much different feel as to what this map looks like. And then they're going to start, I'm telling you, they're going to start telling us how Trump has tried to disenfranchise voters. Republicans have tried to keep votes from counting. There's a whole bunch of stories on that as well. This mail-in this mail mass vote-by-mail in some of these states is disastrous. It's totally disastrous. Huh. But i got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in... Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Oz just showed me a image I can't get out of my head. Chris Wallace. 
a picture of Chris Wallace, uh, his face with Savannah Guthrie's head. <laughs> uh, the things you find on social media. But look, I want to talk this this Thursday is debate number two. It was supposed to be debate number three, of course, but we didn't have debate number two because of COVID, even though Trump tested negative for COVID. Trump is fine. Trump is healthier than ever up on stage dancing and everything else um, as we move, you know, ever so closer to the election day. Let's talk about this debate, though. This debate is going to be moderated, (laughs) moderated by NBC News reporter Kristen Walker. Kristen Walker. Now, Kristen Walker, as we know, first of all, when you know someone works at NBC News, when you know someone works at NBC News, you have to assume immediately the odds they are voting for Biden or Hillary or anyone, anyone who's a Democrat, the odds are probably 90%, 95%. That he or she is going to vote for the Democratic candidate. There's just no, there's no other way about it. And so you know that from the beginning, but it's even worse than that. She has deleted a Twitter account, and folks have taken screenshots from the uh, from the Twitter account before it was taken down. So these things, actually, I think these things still come up if you Google search some of them. But she has posted, um, I mean, some very anti, <laughs> they're anti-Trump tweets. I mean, they're clearly anti-Trump t- tweets. Now, this in today, look, journalism, as it's been said, is largely dead Journalism, the 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 true, um, the, the the true field of journalism. There are a couple of people out there that actually know what it is, but once you account for them, and you can probably account for them on one or two hands, then you're left with this reality that most most of what's left are nothing more but than than political activists. There are nothing more than activists activists on in the media trying to uh, persuade you. They're not there to try to give you information. They're not there to try to share with you what's going on. They're not there to provide both sides of the story. No, 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 no. Do not be confused about this at all. They are there to persuade you. They are, per- they are there to generate a certain outcome, and that is what they seek to do. Each and every day. Kristen Walker put her in that crowd. She's deleted her Twitter, but it doesn't matter because people can still see these tweets. And I'm going to find some of them after or during this next break and read those to you. I got them pulled up here somewhere. I've just got too big of um, – I, I got too many things here that I wanted to to get to. But you look at her Twitter and you look at you look at what she's done in the past. She actually told back in 2016 – she told Jen Palmieri, who is Clinton, Hillary Clinton's, who was Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign director. She told her the question she was going to ask her before she asked it. Now, it may not be uncommon in the media to say, hey, I want to talk with you about this. But it's not necessarily the way that I think most people would envision it working. 
if you told them, hey, a journalist said, I'm going to ask you this question, this question, and this question. If, if that's the case, someone would say, what is this, a Democrat debate? Or, or is it a presidential debate where someone feeds the candidate that they want to see perform better? They want to, they want to feed them the questions prior to, prior to the debate, which happened, of course, back in 2016. Bernie voters out there today, if, if you remember, if you remember, which I know you do, I know you do. They stole this. They had a plan to steal it. I mean, look, Hillary eventually cinched the thing up because of the superdelegates, which, again, were put in place so that they could correct the votes of anyone who wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders. But nonetheless, the plan was put in place to make sure Bernie didn't win this back in 16 and candidly back in, well, back this uh, earlier this year as well. And so now they've stopped Bernie twice. And one of the things they did was feed debate questions to Hillary Clinton. There's no, they don't even deny this. Bernie didn't get them, but Hillary did. That's within their own party. What do you think, when you factor in the entire scope of what we're dealing with here, which is social media, who is not wanting you to know the truth, Google not wanting you to know the truth. If you don't believe me on that, Google something that's uh, damning to Democrats, Google it, and then go to DuckDuckGo and search. And tell me what the differences are. Do this yourself. I, I encourage you to do this. DuckDuckGo is a competitive search engine to Google. Do it sometime. Compare, compare and contrast the things that you've discovered. So you've got a dishonest media, a corrupt Democrat party, an incredibly, I mean, corrupt candidate right now, we're not even allowed to ask the questions or get any answers. I haven't even mentioned, I didn't heard the name Tara Reid mentioned lately. But you factor in Burisma, Tara Reid, 47 years in Washington, D.C., um, you know, building massive amounts of wealth while being, quote unquote, a public servant, using one's office to potentially, allegedly, make sure your family gets opportunities and is, and is enriched. These are the allegations. These are possible. We don't know all the details because they don't want us to know. But it doesn't look good, that's for sure. Right? They're, they're hiding the guy. Teleprompters at events. Oz mentioned that during the break. The guys at these rallies, people sitting in their cars. There's like 18 cars and a teleprompter the size of a outdoor movie theater, a drive-in movie theater screen for Joe Biden to read the very uninspiring words. And now we've got a debate moderator who leans, it doesn't lean, who is 100% on the side of Joe Biden. That's coming out this, uh, we'll see that debate this Thursday. And the rumor is that Trump is going to, quote, give Biden space to talk this time, which may be the best thing possible, uh, or the worst thing possible for Biden, the best thing possible for Trump. So, I want to share some of these tweets that, they, that she has deleted from her Twitter account. When we get back, quick timeout is in order. Sit tight. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. I should I should tell you that Kristen Walker's Twitter account has been reactivated, has been reactivated. But I don't know if all the tweets 
have been uh, reactivated. Some of these tweets, I mean, look, she is clearly, there's pictures of her and her father with the Obamas at the at the White House. Again, look, you can't, <laughs> being a journalist doesn't mean that you don't get a vote, right? Doesn't mean that you lose your ability to, you know, give to candidates, but it is, it is relevant, isn't it? Is it not? Is it not relevant to know um, who these folks are are supporting? And her family, now her family, and of course her and her family may not have the same same beliefs. <laughs> I laugh because she does. She was a registered Democrat in 2012. Now it's it's unknown what she what she is, how she's how she's registered. But the point is, the point is that we have a situation. Where it's setting up to have, I mean, there are anti-Trump. I don't have time to get to these, as Oz has just shared with me the time that we're we're up against here. But there are there are some things that should at least cause us to raise our eyebrows about Kristen Welker. I'll try to post some of these on on our Facebook page today. Some of these these tweets that at least seem to be um, relevant to the discussion. Right? I mean, it should be. If she's out there tweeting things as a journalist. Again, if these folks would just understand that as journalists, their job is to report information, not to make judgments on what they're talking about. They would go they would be a lot better off, but they just refuse refuse to do it. So, gotta take a break. Come back and wrap up. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back, folks. Here we are just a couple of days away from the third, well, actually the second, was supposed to be third debate, and we're still talking about um, the moderators. I mean, look, it shouldn't be the case where the moderators are the focus of the debate. Now, I think Trump, of course, is, is outwitting the media again here by going after Kristen Walker talking about how much she's an anti-Trumper, how how biased she is, how she's been a registered Democrat, her family donating money to Democrats and all this sort of stuff. He's putting all this attention on the debates, which is going to make more people want to watch this thing. And if what is being reported about Trump's, um, I guess, the way that Trump is going to handle himself here in this second debate – if those things are true, we're going to see Biden get more time to talk uninterrupted. And that is not – I mean, look, they, they've deliberately hidden their candidate. They've hidden their candidate for a long time. And so it's not, I think, a, a good thing for the average voter to hear Joe Biden talk, especially, uh, especially that late in the evening, especially given some of the things that – We've heard him say on camera, well, we don't really hear them because the media, again, kind of hides that from us. But it's not good, folks. It isn't good at all. So Trump is, of course, drawing attention to this. So we'll see how this pans out on Thursday. Trump is a master at drawing attention to things, and it's an important debate. And more importantly, we've got an important election 
which is underway. I've got to go. Thanks for listening. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.